Today on Locked On Canadians, we are going to talk about that game against the Dallas Stars. We're going to talk about Slavkovsky being out day to day. And then we're going to do our three up and three down like we do every week. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 711 of Locked On Canadians, part of your everyday, hopefully, your first listen of everyday or your first watch if you are watching this on YouTube. My name is Laura Sab, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Scott Matlin, who's back from his Game Over stint and is surprisingly still talking to me after I delayed our recording by about an hour. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. It's it's Sunday and I'm more than happy to take, you know, a little bit of extra time before we sit down to record everything so I can stew on the fact that my or my NFL football team is abjectly terrible this year. Um, but uh, pretty good weekend overall here. Even if the Habs lost to the Stars and the Rocket lost both games Friday and Saturday, uh, still not overly worried about it. Feeling pretty good about the way this season has gone so far. And for all the takes of they, they're going to lose out on Connor Bedard because they won two, two games this week instead of losing all of them uh, is overblown. And the fact of the matter is that they lose out on Connor Bedard. Uh, I recommend you go read Chris Peters tweets on Adam Fantilli and stop complaining and shut up, to be quite honest with everybody else. <laughs> I think that's the thing is that one of the things that people have been nervous about, it's weird because people get angry when you say they're going to lose a lot of games and then they get angry when you say they're going to win a lot of games. I don't know what I want. And and I think I know exactly what I want. Actually. I don't know if I'm brave enough to tell the people what I want is that I do want to losses. I do want to high draft pick, but that doesn't mean I don't want to see them play better. That doesn't mean I don't want to see the young players evolve. That doesn't mean I don't want to see the erasure of mistakes. That doesn't mean I want to see an abysmal soul crushing depressing power play that doesn't mean I don't want to see good defense I just I want to see this team take steps into the future I want to I want a goaltending contender to emerge from their from their like goalie closet right now we don't have anybody we've got Jake Allen who's trying his best we've got Samuel Moltavo who's trying his best but who's going to be the next one when this team is ready to contend like those are the things I want to know so yes I want losses I'm sorry don't yell at me I want good games and I want losses because I want to see them draft high I don't necessarily think they're going to draft Connor Bedard but you know what Fantilli is a great consolation prize but also like the, that top five there it looks good to me right now I know things are going to evolve and change over the, the next year but at the same time you know we're watching the Canadians lose and then we're watching oh and Beck put up so many points. It's ridiculous. How many points in one game? Scott, can you tell me how many points Owen no, Beck? No, no, I will not because you're going to spoil one of our segments if I do that now. <laughs> I have to save the Owen Beck speech and the power play, you know, spiel for the other segments here. You're okay. all of my notes, just throwing them out in the first <laughs> segment here. Um, the, the, today's recording is really testing our friendship, Scott. <laughs> 
Uh, the thing about a game like the one against Dallas is, yeah, there were good moments. It was nice to see Mike Hoffman get a goal that he had deserved. He had played well in his role on this team here. Arbor Jacki with two points, including his first NHL goal. And we will get to that in a little bit. And at the same time, uh, Martin St. Louis put it best and some of the players put it best is it's still a teaching experience. Joe Pavelski had a hat trick. The Canadians lost 5-2. You know what? It sucks, but it wasn't that their two goals were scored like out of pity or fluke accidents. They probably could have scored a few more in this game. Uh, admittedly, losing Brendan Gallagher to a lower body injury for part of it did not help. But I look at games like this and I go, I was entertained. I wasn't watching them just, you know, shimmy skate around for, you know, 60 minutes and just wait for it to be over. I was like, they're losing. That kind of sucks. But you know what? I'm enjoying what I'm watching anyways because there's an effort there. And that's the biggest thing is everything is a building block and a learning experience here. The game against the Coyotes was great. That overtime win against the Penguins was great. And this is just as much a teaching tool as those games. Hey, you did really well in these two. But here's what you can take away from this Dallas game. We got to work on covering the slot a little bit better and where our defensive coverage and communication is. That's, you know what? That's fine. If you lose entertaining games, it's better than losing games where you take one shift and it looks like you do not care at all. Like Mike Hoffman looked legitimately engaged in this game. He played very well. That fourth line with Evans, Hoffman, and Pitlick was arguably the best in the Canadians that night in terms of counting stats and, you know, advanced metrics. That's great. I get that Mike Hoffman's making a lot of money and you don't want him on the fourth line. You don't want to get into Donov on the fourth line, but they're going to have to make these decisions in the near future. Yol Armia is going to come back. You got to play Michael Bezzetta at some point here. You're going to have to make tough choices. And this Dallas game, I think is a good teaching tool because up next is the Minnesota wild who are not, any kind of pushover. They're a very dangerous team who are struggling a little bit in the early going of their season, but we've seen what they can do. And we saw what they did last year. They got Dominic Duchamp fired quite frankly. And uh, I look at that game and I go, okay, we're going to see where you've at, where you're at. And you've learned if they keep it close and you know, they lose because Kirill Kaprizov is as good as he is, or Marco Rossi or Matt Boldy go off. What are you going to do? But I'm interested to see what lessons they take from this game like they did against Washington and Detroit and apply them to their next contest here because I think they're capable of that. And I'm just interested to see, you know, we're getting closer and closer to them actually being full strength right now and they're holding water, but there's another level for them to get to after this. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like there is another level. We are going to see that other level. Uh, but at the same time, I think, you know, I understand why people get upset with with things like this. Like you want to see, like it's 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 human nature. It's it's fan nature, right? But at the same time, I'm just, I'm always excited to watch this team now. And I don't know if that's the same thing with you, Scott. I'm always excited to watch both actually the Laval Rocket and the Montreal Canadiens because you know it's not, even if they play badly, you know that there are so many like good young players on this team that you're going to see at least one thing you like, whether it's Arbor Jacki, you know, having a fight, whether it's 
I don't know whether it's Nick Suzuki doing his thing. You know, he's he's really changed his offensive game a lot. Um, whether it's Cole Caulfield just, you know, being himself, whether, you know, anything that you see, whether you see Jordan Harris kind of take steps that you see like he's kind of inching towards a better play, I find. Um, and we already already like like loved, not liked, loved what he brought to the table. Um, but at the same time, it is Monday. We are gonna do our three up and three down because whether or not they're tanking or losing or contending. Three up or three down is our Monday thing. And that is coming up in just one moment. But first, I got to tell you about Simply Safe because the numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. And you don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe. They protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 seven professional monitoring agents who always have your back. And the reason that I love it is because I'm one of those people that really, I do that thing where I watch scary movies or scary TV shows, and then I'll try and go to bed and then I'll hear a noise and I'll wake up everybody in the house because I think that something's going on, someone's trying to break it. And Simply Safe really knows whether or not it's a real threat, whether it's a break-in, they can, you know, they're, they're averting the break-in for you. And if it's not a real threat, they're eliminating it for you. So if you want to be like us and you want to, you know, you want to minimize that, you want that peace of mind, you can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. You can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month for free. Visit simplysafe.com slash lockdownNHL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, Scott, it is our three up and three down. And as per our tradition, we do we actually we should start calling it three down, three up because we want to do the bummers first and then we want to like leave everybody on a high note. So who is your three down for this week? I think the biggest one for me is it's it's not a player, at least right away. Uh, the Canadian's power play is bad. Uh, to be quite simple, it's clicking along at under five and a half percent. It's not good. And admittedly, it's not yeah, even the like team average. Yeah. It's not even mediocre. I'm not asking for like an elite power play. Like I'm not asking for like you know peak Toronto and you know power play here. I'm peaking for literally average. Like, if they were to score at league average, I would think the Canadians probably might actually win a lot more games than we expected this year. And I look at it and I go, the effort's there in most cases, but something, it isn't working. And I don't know what what it is, whether it be just the passing, the shooting lanes, or what, but one power play goal through, what are we at, six games now, is not really the pace you want to be going along at here. And yeah, Maybe some of the teams they played had had good penalty kills or they've been unlucky. That can all be true, but a team with this much shooting talent, and yes, Mike Hoffman, for all of his faults, is a very good shooter. You know, we know uh, Cole Caulfield can shoot. We know Nick Suzuki can shoot. Brendan Gallagher's been playing really well in the middle of the ice. The weapons are there. It's just something isn't working, and it's the only thing that really kind of bugs me. Like, I watched the Canadians play well off the rush, and it's almost like your everyone in your power play should now be off a counterattack with you know slingshotting or what, but they don't seem to cycle well to open up dangerous opportunities. They allow the teams to kind of compact and protect those dangerous areas in the front. 
and they just don't get the opportunities that they should be getting in, in this. And I think uh, that's just part of the issue. Yeah, Caulfield can shoot. Hoffman could shoot. Kirby Doc can create space. Exactly. If you're just using shooters and not using your other people to manipulate the space the way it needs to be, teams are just going to hunker down and they're going to make a phalanx around the net there. And you're just not going to beat that unless you're picture perfect, which, yeah, we know Caulfield can do that. But if you're just relying on one guy, how is it any different than, hey, we're going to Shea Weber at the point? Hey, we're going to Shea Weber at the point. Hey, we're going to Cole Caulfield in the circle. We're going to Cole Caulfield in the circle. Get creative with it. This is your season to try new things with the power play. Not Rem Pitlick on power play one, but like try new things. It is the, it is the biggest issue I had in the last week. And I don't have very many other issues besides that. But the power play was just, it's not great, man. Like across the board, just not where it should be. And I've been watching the Canadians for quite some time now. And the last couple of years, the defense has been, has left a lot to do to, to be desired. And so I understand what bad defense is. I also understand what very average defense is. And it's not like the opponents on the penalty kill are playing anything in any genius strategy. They're playing just your regular, basic, run-of-the-mill, adequate defense, and the Canadians can't get past that. And that's what's bothering me. It's not like they're going up against... I mean, some of these teams have good PKs, but, you know, it's just, to me, like, they're they're not surprising anybody. They're not outwitting anybody they're not outmaneuvering anybody. So that to me is like the, the thing that's really bothering me. So I do think that there needs to be a little bit more creativity and a little bit better. I, I don't know, maybe maybe it's not the execution. Like you said, the effort is there. You know, the desire is there. They just, there's something that's not fixed, that's not click, clicking. Uh, who is your second down of the week, Scott? The, the wild part about this week is that despite the Canadians being in the situation they're in, I don't have a lot of negatives to really pick out this week because in terms of where the team is at, everything lined up perfectly. Unexpected win, kind of expected win, and a loss. I, I, I'm i not upset by any of that at all. And I look at it and I go, yeah, the Rocket are losing, but I'm seeing an effort there. And it does kind of lead me to one here. And I don't think it's because he's playing badly. It's just Justin Barron's body language with the rocket in the past couple games I've watched isn't great. Uh, it's it, it, and this is not a, I know what he's thinking, but I just watch him play and either he's too good for the AHL and is kind of taking at half speed, or he doesn't really want to be down in the AHL because he thinks he can is an NHL regular. And he proved that he wasn't in the regular season here. Uh, it's I haven't seen nearly as much out of him as I would like for the Rocket this year. I don't think he's played badly. I just don't think he's played nearly as well as he's capable of. And that therein lies that issue is that like he should be putting up points right now. And once he does, it's going to help the Rocket win games. And uh, it's not even that he's been bad. It's just unlucky maybe the points aren't flying on the power play because they're struggling a little bit too because the rockets power play functions a lot more in close for rebounds and cleanup versus the canadians but i i'm finding it very hard to be like actually overly critical of anything the canadians did this past week i guess the only other thing i could really like pick out as a bad thing was maybe brendan gallagher shouldn't have come back into the game after it looked like he exploded his knee against the boards on saturday but he played one shift and then left again, but we came back and I don't know. 
Uh, Patrick Bexell said it best that I was in the prize. It's going to be a bad season. Don't try and play through things, you know, be healthy for when it actually matters. What's the point of gritting it out uh, for another 20, 30 games of your knees bugging you as much as it could be, as much as it looked like it was after you ran into the end boards there. Honestly, don't, don't love that overall. Yeah. It's not an attitude that I like from hockey players. And it's definitely not an attitude that I like from Brendan Gallagher. I mean, people label him a warrior, blah, blah, blah. It's not the playoffs. It's the beginning of a tank season. Uh, you really want to take care of yourself. I understand that he has something to prove. I understand that he's not satisfied with his performance last season. I understand people are questioning, you know, why is, why is he getting paid this kind of money and not be, not being, not playing up to his contract that I understand, but at the same time, you're not going to be able to do, you're not going to be able to 100% if you're not physically together, if you're not physically capable. Uh, and for the Justin Barron thing, I think he's lacking intensity. And I don't know if it's because of hesitation or not. Um, but I do want to give him a couple more games to figure it out. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of us have setbacks and disappointments. He did come back from an injury. Maybe he's scared of hurting himself again. Uh, but I want to see some more intensity. Like it's it, like the thing is like I'm seeing effort from everybody, but I feel like he's he's not lazy. He just doesn't have that intensity that I want to see. Um, in the meantime, uh, we do have some intense praise for a couple of people in our three up, and that's coming up in just one moment. Okay, time for shall, shall we save Owen back for last? Is that what you want? I, I here's the thing, like. As, as little as I had to complain about, I have just as much to compliment about. And it's like, I guess we'll start with the guy who's injured, and that's Uri Slavkovsky scoring his first NHL goal. I was obviously not on uh, the show that came out on Friday. Ian Boisvert filled in for me so I could join Andrew Berkshire on Game Over Montreal. What a perfect first goal for Uri Slavkovsky. He takes a high hit. Arbor Jacki lights the dude up. He collects the puck, scores, and then screams at the guy, with Arbor uh, Jack over his shoulder. Also screaming at the guy. Like, <laughs> perfect. At home, no less, too. Not in some 5,000-seat college arena. At home, in front of the fans. He does a little awkward wave on the bench. Perfection. Absolute perfection. And he's not the only Slovak who lit it up because uh, third on my list is Philip Machar, who in two OHL games proved very quickly that I think he might be uh, too good for the OHL, to be quite honest with you. A um, couple of assists, a couple of goals, including an overtime winner and an end-to-end snipe in his first two games. I, I got to say, like, I love allowing him to unlock that creativity and to just focus on developing more of his offensive game and instincts in the OHL. But I do wonder if this was the right choice, and time will tell. He could be starting out hot and things can cool off, but, man, he looks so, so good for that league. It's almost unfair. And... Again, as Patrick Bexell pointed out, good friend of the show, he played pro for the last couple of years. This is a step down from, yeah, it's the Slovak Extra Liga, but it's still a step up from OHL hockey. It's a men's hockey league, not teenagers and such. So this is probably like playing on easy mode for him a little bit. And now we're going to see, is this gamble going to pay off? Because my thought is he's going to play one OHL year and he's going to be in the pros next year. There's no way he could go back after the way he's already started lighting it up. So he sits uh, third on my up list for uh, the Canadians this week. I like, there's so many people I wanted to compliment. I mean, Arbor Jacki, come on. Like first goal. I, I, 
I can't stop smiling when I'm thinking about him. Uh, a lot of a lot of compliments for Caden Gooley in the in the discourse this week. So I'm not going to bring him up, but I I, I mean I brought him up. So <laughs> uh, I don't know if you saw what I did there, uh, but uh, I just I think that uh, David Savard, since we've we've been quite hard on him the last couple of weeks, I want to just say something positive in that he has looked better. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's enough. Uh, but I know Scott, you were sitting here. Oh, here's another question that I wanted. Like, I don't understand like why Philip Mayshark can't play in the AHL. He can. He is a first round pick out of Europe. He can. The Canadians opted to send him to the OHL. And they he could have played back. there because that's why he started that first game there. He played there, played one game. No, no, I know, him. but I don't understand why they won't bring him back. I, they can't recall him mid-season unless it's an emergency situation. And I believe that only applies to NHL teams. I've tried to get clarification on um, AHL teams just because, but there's also PTOs and stuff that you can do in the AHL that you cannot do at the NHL level. My my biggest thought with all of this is that they want his, whenever CHL season, OHL season is done with, that he can jump right into either the NHL or back into the AHL and he will be here. There isn't the coming over from Europe where the season might go a little bit longer. You know, they get so many games. My thought is they want him to make that jump as soon as possible. And they didn't have space for him right now. And that's what it looks like is that they just do not have the space for him. And they don't. The AHL is crowded. The NHL is very crowded. You're not going to send one of your top prospects to the ECHL when he's clearly going to be too good for that as well. So uh, I'm... I'm not crazy about it, but I understand kind of the thought behind it a little bit uh, if I were in Kent Hughes's shoes. I mean, I still don't agree, but okay. Um, I I mean, I don't agree with, with Kent Hughes. Not I, I agree with you. Uh, finally, um, it is your, your opportunity now to wax poetic about one Owen Beck. We haven't done that in like four or five episodes. So there, so, 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 so. Uh, Owen Beck rules, uh, to be quite honest. Um, he had a six point night on Friday, 6.7 point. He had five primary assists and a goal in a game, which is just stupid, stupid good. And then he followed it up with another couple of goals and an assist on uh, Saturday, I believe it was. He, he's going to win player of the week in the CHL this week. He's been, he all of a sudden just turned on whatever it was he'd been playing well a couple of assists a goal here or there maybe not to the level that would be you would hope of him because the expectations are good rookie season time to build and add more points to that in the second year and a little bit slower to start and then all of a sudden it just clicked and it, it's it cannot be overstated just how talented he is that the canadians getting him in the second round is insane like if I if I, he wasn't number one on my up list this week, someone would have had to have done a lot to overshadow him. And yeah, Arbor Jack, I couple of points this week, really cool, really great. We love that. But Owen Beck's production this week for the Mississauga Steelheads is nothing short of incredible. Just five primary assists in one game enough would get him up on this list. But including the goals and just how he led his team uh, in these games is nothing short of amazing. And I know, and I know, and I know, and I know, trying keeping expectations in check and this and that, watching him play, the kid's just 
got it. Whatever it is, he has it. And I'm very excited to see what that next level holds for him because he's slowly climbing that. I'm hoping he cracks Team Canada. I really am. And if he doesn't, I'm going to throw a fit about it because I think Owen Beck is exactly the kind of player that you should want in a best-on-best tournament. Elite defensively with offensive upside. Lead penalty killer, your middle six guy to eat up your minutes and play Connor Bedard in the offensive zone or whatever. Owen Beck should be that guy. And his weekend just proves that. Like, I know the Habs were losing and the Rocket were losing and this and that, but when you go and you check the NCAA and the OHL scores and you see Lane Hudson's name on there a bunch and you see uh, Owen Beck's name on there a bunch, you see Rhett Pitlick's name with a goal and then a game misconduct for throwing his stick into the stands in celebration. It, it's it's exactly what you want. Yes, the Canadians lost, but you know what? Look at all these prospects doing amazing things. It's not about the right now. It's about the right now, three to four years from now, when all these pieces are ready and hitting their stride together. And that's, like, I know I've gotten a little off topic here, but Owen Beck's a huge part of that. And just that performance was nothing short of just incredible. One of the best we've seen from a Habs prospect in a long, long time. I can't disagree. I mean, I was like, go ahead, take it away. Talk about Owen Beck. And then um, I didn't get a chance to say anything. Um, I uh, I do agree with you. I mean, the way that he's playing, and, and you said it yourself, is that when you see a player that has that kind of talent and they send him back to the OHL, you want to see dominance. Like whether you send, you know, Gua back to the queue or whatever, you want to see dominance in that league. Um, and I think Owen Beck is well on his way to do that. I just, I'm, I'm very excited about uh, his growth. I'm very excited about his future. I am very also apprehensive about... Um, myself putting too much expectation on him but I did that with Gooley and and so far Gooley is basically just proving me he's not proving me right he's like surpassing my expectations um so Owen Beck please have this pile of expectations on your shoulders now uh is there anything that you wanted to add before we wrap up the show for today I I did just want to touch on your point there is that allow yourself to believe in things if you think everything's (laughs) going to fail it's a miserable experience as a fan. And this isn't just Laura. This is in general. It's like, you want to believe in this prospect that everyone else believes in. You know what? Go ahead and do that. Why not? Become their biggest supporter. And if you're wrong, who cares? I'm wrong a lot. And I still get to host a daily podcast and write about hockey and have been for nine years now. It happens. But if you don't allow yourself to believe in things, you're just going to be stuck in assuming everything's going to be the worst. And that's no way to kind of go through watching, especially in the season where you're rebuilding and tanking or this or that. Allow yourself to believe in things and give yourself a break. Yeah. Get get excited. excited. Yes. Get excited about things that you think are exciting. Who cares? If people want to be mean about it, that's their fault, not yours. And I will leave all of you with those wise wise words of wisdom uh, from Scott. And we will be back tomorrow. We do have some mailbag questions that we didn't get to last week. So we will incorporate them into our episodes this week. Uh, So if you want to catch that, 
check out Locked On Canadians wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can find Scott at Scott Matla. You'll find me at The Active Stick on Twitter. Um, you can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. We've been getting some lovely correspondence as of late. Um, and uh, when you're done checking this show out, check out Game to Game, the NHL edition. It has everything from the night before. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow.